Hello, welcome to our Worship Facility Podcast, Seven Steps to a More Secure Computer Network, featuring Roger Blaylock. I'm Gene Lass, editor of Worship Facility. Hey guys, Carl Barnhill here. I'm hanging out with Roger Blaylock. Roger, tell me a little bit about uh, you work for the government, right? So you're, you're, you've been spying on me for years. Uh, not, uh, not quite. Uh, I work with the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's part of the government uh, Department of Commerce. And for the last 25 to 30 years, uh, NIST has been making standards for people to, to be able to follow, to make computers and uh, using computers, computer networks, uh, make them all secure. Uh, they're used across this country, actually a lot of other countries, to take, uh, take what we produce and, and use them for guidelines for, for their computers. Okay, so we're going to talk about computer security, and I want to kind of bring this into making Sunday happen as close as we can. So maybe give us an overview here of your workshop, and then how does that apply to those who craft Sunday morning and the worship experience? Yeah, absolutely. So... The, the thing that I think happens a lot of times when you mention cybersecurity, even you mention it to technical people, is sometimes you maybe get a, start to get that little deer in the headlights look, right? Oh, cybersecurity, it's complicated. I don't know it. I don't understand it. Uh, I'm just not going to touch it. Um, that's a really bad approach to take um, because all of our networks can be vulnerable. And when you're running a computer network at a church, particularly, um, there, there may be a lot of things that, you know, your, your Wi-Fi network may allow somebody that you don't want in your network to be able to get in. So it's really important for the people that are not just the church operations team, but everybody that's, in, that's part of a Sunday service uh, to know what they need to be doing to, to safeguard their network and keep everything working right. Because that's, in the end of it, that's the end. We want everything to work right. Uh, no interruptions, um, you know. No security breaches, but but we want it to work. So how vulnerable am I? How serious do I need to take computer security at my church? So I, I think that part of that is is a, a risk assessment that each church needs to do. And, and that's not a complicated thing. You know, a, a lot of churches have a lot of what's called personally identifiable information. That's donor records, you know, names, addresses, usually not your social security number, but um, but you know how much money you gave last year, how much money you give every month, what you give it to. Uh, those are very sensitive pieces of information. You don't want that leaked. Um, you've got uh, most churches now have got a uh, an audio network that's you know maybe running you know the, a Dante controller or they're running video over their Ethernet, and you don't know what the software that is running on those. You don't know if that's trying to reach out to other computers on the network. So it's really important to, to work with your network guys and make sure those are isolated. Okay, so let's bring, bring this into the streaming world. How uh, secure do I need to be when it comes to my live stream, especially for, for Sunday, things I'm doing for my church online? Sure, I would say if you've worked with your network engineer uh, in advance. Now, whether that's the guy, you know, at the church that's taking care of it, or if you've got an external service, you need to be having the conversations with him about how to secure that, how to separate it um, from all of that other information that you want to keep secure. So if there's a, if there's some kind of a problem on the equipment you're using, it's not going to make the rest of your network vulnerable. 
Okay, so let's talk through. You have seven things in your talk that I want to kind of hit on. Uh, the first one is very easy to start with. Yes. And, and that's one thing I want to note for people is it's not as complicated. And I want you to speak to this. It's not as complicated as you might think to secure your network, correct? Correct, yeah. Well, um, you know, everybody understands the reason we lock a car, right? The reason you lock your house, the reason you lock the church when nobody's there. It's to keep the, you know, keep the bad people out, but keep the honest people honest too, right? So one of the first things, everybody's got passwords. Most people, you know, I tried to count mine the other days. I I was over a hundred before when I finally gave up. So everybody's got a lot of passwords. What do we all want to do? We want to take one password and use it in 30 locations. Right. Uh, That is not advisable, especially when you start mixing, you know, your, you know, a, a password account. on an app with your bank account, with your church password, um, you need to be keeping a lot of those separate. So, yeah. and, and, you know, everybody knows how to do that. It's a little bit harder work, but doing that and also learning how to set a secure password where you're not just, you know, one, two, three. Yeah. Not password, not password one, two, three. Right. Right. So give me some pointers on password creation. Absolutely. That, that and that, the, the truth, what, the, what people recommend over time has changed. You know, a lot of people, um, you, when you log into one site, one site may require eight character minimum. Other yeah. one is 12 characters. Sometimes they say 16 characters when you've got to have three special characters and whatever. So I'll tell you what, what I've done, what, what a lot of people are re- in the security field are recommending now is to not try to think of a 16 character password. Take, you know, the words to the song, uh, the words to a song that you like and use the first letter from every word in a phrase. Now, you know, don't pick a super popular one. I wouldn't use Amazing Grace. Right. Uh, or I wouldn't use or take a scripture, but I wouldn't use John 316. Right. Pick something that's more secure um, where if somebody saw half of the password, they wouldn't be able to guess the other half. Good. Good. OK. So what about management? Should I use a password management system like a dash lane or something like that? Well, those secure? you almost have to, right? If you're going to have 100 passwords and they're all going to be different, you're not, there's not going to be a way that you can remember all of those unless you're more superhuman than I am. I, I'm not, I can't do that, right? So you've got to have a password manager. And there are so many options out there. Like I can't just toss out one or two and, and recommend that you use those. Um, some of the, I will make one big distinction on them. Some of them are just software you install on your computer. Okay. Those are lower risk than ones that you store in the cloud. Right. There's, there's several that store in the cloud and you just have to be ready to understand and you have to be watching out if that cloud provider was to have a security breach because somebody's trying 24 hours a day to breach theirs. Right. So you can use that. Another really helpful tip is maybe you remember eight characters of a password, you put the other eight characters in the cloud storage. So if somebody were to compromise the cloud storage, they can't get your whole password. Good. All right. So number two is a little bit more obscure. So I want you to explain it a little bit more. And that is increased cloud security with MFA. Yeah, so explain I, I that. had to use MFA because the words multi-factor authentication wouldn't fit on the slide. Mm-hmm. So MFA is multi, multi-factor authentication. It is where somebody asks, when you're logging in, uh, you're asked for two pieces of information. Right. Everybody kind of gets this, right? Uh, it's, it's a password, and then maybe they email you a pen. Or maybe they email you a pen the first time that you register a browser, right? And you have to do that every 30 days. Uh, especially when you're using cloud security, 
uh, like your your Google account. If you've got a Google account, go turn on multi-factor authentication today. It's a very easy thing to do. Yes, it takes a little more time, but it it I don't want to say infinitely increases it, but it greatly increases your security. What do you think about browsers that don't? That's not um, well. It can be multi uh, multi functional, but. Uh, but the like Google is going to save my password, or right. Chrome is going to save all my passwords. Right. Do I allow that? Or not? Um, typically, I don't. Uh, I'm a security engineer. I'm generally right. paranoid. Um, if I don't know how somebody is storing my password, right. and I don't know where someone is storing my password, I usually say no. So I have I tell my browsers not to prompt me. Now there are some. Uh, like uh, LastPass is a cloud-based yes. service, and you can get plugins for your browser. Okay, I do have a LastPass account, and and but although that's one I used with kind of the split password thing, but some of those will have plugins. I would trust those a little bit more maybe than the browser because, like I said, you don't know where it's putting that data. Okay, so you're okay with a, a third party like a LastPass filling auto filling those passwords. I, in yeah, for you. You're I've okay done with that. I've done that. It doesn't work for me because I split the passwords, like I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, but, but you're you're okay with the security I, of those. I, I those would be okay? okay. I would be okay with that. Yeah, and especially for most users and most of what they're doing. And again, do do that little risk assessment. Is it your bank account? Okay, maybe you don't put that one in the cloud. But is it you know a, a, a login that you're using? Um, you know, for a, a retail site, those kind of things. Right. Um, those are lower risk, easier to use. Gotcha. All right, talk to me about disk encryption. Right, and uh, this is this is a big thing. So what used to happen is somebody, if they got your laptop or if they got your desktop computer, even if there was a password on it to log in, they could pull the hard drive out, put it in another computer, and read all the files. Okay, right. it's very important that we we don't allow that anymore. Now, Windows, Mac OS, both of them natively allow disk encryption um, using BitLocker for Windows um, and FileVault uh, for Mac. And actually, most Macs, the new Macs now are coming out of the box that ask you if you want to encrypt the disk. The answer is yes. So I'm going to go back on you and talk about the, the browser, uh, saving your password in the browser. I know mm-hmm. that one scam tactic that I've seen is if you have like a, a situation where a you know, somebody's calling you and you enable a screen share mm-hmm. situation and they might be talking to you about something else, but they're really have locked your screen and are going and auto going into your bank account, transferring money, that right. sort of thing. Have you talked to me about that, that type of scam? Yeah, scam? I would, I would never, if, if somebody calls me on the phone uh, and says, Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to go to this website, or I'm going to email you a link, click on this link. Um, the, the easiest way to thwart that, because never share any information with somebody that called you over the phone. Right. What you do is you say, that's great. Um, you know, uh, you're with Citibank. Uh, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to call you back and, uh, at your 800 number and I'm going to get, and if they, if you will tell at that point that they know that you're, you're that you're they're not you know. going to take you yeah. um that is the best way to go is to say um I'm sorry I don't do this I'm going to give you guys a call back and verify this is right all right so let's talk about number 4 applying software updates yeah then this is a very another very simple step uh whether it's it's android or iphone or mac os or windows um go in and turn on the automatic updates uh Every security bug that comes out that Microsoft and Apple, those guys are aware of, 
they write a patch for it immediately and it's pushed out at least once a week and you can you'll see those pop up we've got a you know and apple actually tells you it's a security update windows it's a weekly update uh, just turn those on that's one of the most effective ways to keep your computer secure is to keep those security patches going on as fast as they're available what if i'm gonna play devil's advocate for you yeah. What if I'm more of a creative or more kind of in the know about what software updates do and I don't want it I don't want to do that update because I'm waiting on something something to make sure that something else doesn't break or I want to make sure that this you know I want to wait on the update. We we go through that all the time at work and what what we can do and it takes a little more effort uh, you can you can apply the updates uh, in in Windows you can actually roll back the updates. So if something stopped working, you can go in and say, hey, the ones that came out on Tuesday, you know, uncheck and and go back to the way it was before. Then you can contact your other software uh, vendor. They're probably already aware of that problem uh, and tell them, hey, Microsoft rolled out this patch for Windows and this stopped working. So can you fix that so I can get the security patch? Is that always the case, though? Like I know I'm a Mac guy. Right. And they don't always tell you you know, it's just you need the new OS. Right. And and with the Mac OS, they, they do they will do security releases, but a lot of times they just roll it in to right. you know iOS right. the the next dot version of the so iOS. So I can't just get the security update. I have to get everything. You, which, uh, sometimes which could with be Mac, a problem it could for be. me as a creative doing I don't want to do that yet. Right. How vulnerable is that gonna make me to not do that? Um, if you don't want to take that, then what you need to do when you decline the, the update is jump in there, read through the, uh, the software notes for the update. Okay. First of all, see if it's got any security updates in it. If it doesn't, you're in the clear, right? If it does have a security update, um, then maybe you call your, um, your software, your creative software supplier and say, hey, Mac has got this. Is it, go- is it okay to go ahead and put it on the system? Okay, let's talk about hardware. When is it good or necessary for me to replace the hardware for security reasons? Sure. For hardware, the general rule is five years, but the real the real rule is the operating system has to still be getting security updates. Now, Microsoft does about five years. Uh, Apple, based on what I've seen lately, runs about three. Um, so as long as you can keep updating the operating system, you're okay. Uh, you could take a really old computer and run... Uh, put a, a Linux web server on it. Uh, but yeah, three to five years, depending on Windows or, or Apple, as long as it's still running the OS. Okay, so is this true for my phone, my computer, any piece of technology? When I can't, when I start to not be able to download apps because the OS is too old? That's a really that, good sign it's uh, time, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, the, the other thing you want to think about is you've got devices in your house. Maybe you've got a smart TV, you've got a thermostat or something. The, I've got a garage door opener, right? They all um, have, uh, it's a, called an IoT device, Internet of Things. Um, a lot of people have those things. They don't even really realize it. Um, those follow that same rule. As long as you're getting software security updates for them, you can keep them. Once that stops, it's time to replace the hardware. Okay, two more for you. Set up, yep. setting up web content filtering. Yeah, Walk that, me through that. That is a that I I would say it's a super easy thing. I'm a network engineer. Um, if you talk to your network engineer, it's really easy to put this in so that everybody uh, that logs into your network, um, instead of going to a regular uh, when they when they go to a website, this content filtering will 
uh, it runs it by a check first. Okay, is this a bad website? Is this a known malicious website? It is. Okay, we're not going to let you go there. So it blocks, you know, I've got that at my home. We use it at work uh, to stop people from getting out there. That's kind of a technical discussion to get into. But people need to know there are free services out there that, that can do that. You, you can figure it in one place on your router. It protects your whole church. Gotcha. Okay, so round me out here. Uh, why, should, why the need? Uh, one thing I was thinking of, too, bef- before I get to that, is sometimes there's a tension between the IT department. I'm talking church world. Of course. Tension between IT world and creatives. Like, hey, don't, don't block me down because I need to get whatever. Right. So talk to me about that tension. How do I manage it? From an IT perspective, do I let some people do some things and not other things? Um, Again, that comes down to your risk assessment. If you can put your creative people on a completely separate network and have them isolated from the information that you're, the the not public information, right? Because you're creating sermon graphics and that kind of thing. Um, If if someone were to get in and, and modify those without your permission, um, you know, you've got a backup or whatever, but yeah. you keep that, keep that separate from the financial uh, systems. And then those financial ones are the ones you want to lock down more. Good. Okay. Last one. Uh, configure network segmentation. Right. That is actually just what I was talking Good. about. You yeah. uh, let's separate, uh, separate the guest Wi-Fi from the creative network, the creative network from the finance guys, um, your network engineer, uh, or your, your network service, uh, they, when you start talking that, they'll say, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Here, let's go to do that. Here's the hardware you need. Here's what it'll cost. All right, so let's circle back to the why. Why is it important for me to be so secure? You know, I, I really feel like we live in a day and age where um, the church is not everybody out there is our friend, okay? Yeah. And... And I think that at the very least, we need to do our best in due diligence to protect the information that people trust us with. Yeah. Um, whether that's, you know, counseling records for your pastor or, or, uh, or financial uh, information for the church, we've got to do our due diligence because um, there, there are people out there that, that seek to do us harm. Yeah, good. Well, man, thank you for sharing this. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate the, the invitation. Awesome. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please tune in to our next episode, Maximizing Worship Band Rehearsals, featuring Andy Swanson. I'm Gene Lass, editor of Worship Facility.